and welcome again to Generation 2300. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, it's Anna Morton here. And sorry, it's been a while. Um, life's gotten a bit weird. But I'm back, and the topic today is Why Does Bible Prophecy Matter? I'm going to start with a quote from this book I read. It's an amazing book. Uh, the Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson all about the 70 weeks of Daniel. And the quote is, Much there is in holy writ, which unbelief may value and revere, while utterly refusing to accept it as divine. But prophecy admits of no half-faith. So, uh, this really struck me, obviously. I decided to write a post about this topic. Um, because this is a fundamental reason why Bible prophecy matters. Um, when over 100 events about Christ alone that were foretold in the Bible have come to pass just as it says they would, um, then a person either has to believe the Bible is true or deny history. And because the Bible, the prophecies in the Bible that have come to pass, are so easily verifiable, biblical texts can be dated and events they prophesy can be dated. So it's easy to check if the prophecies have happened just as the Bible said they would. Um, so what are these prophecies that have happened which we can verify? Um, off the top of my head, I've thought of a three that could easily be disproved by history, but importantly have not been proved by history. Um, they are in fact easy to verify. They are um, the birth, death, and life of Jesus Christ on earth and when he would come that first time. You can find those in like Micah 5 2 and Daniel 2, Daniel, Matthew 2, and then Zechariah 9 9 and Matthew 21 correspond, and Isaiah 53 and Matthew 27 correspond talking about how he would die. And then Daniel 9.25 gives us a way to calculate exactly when he would come that first time, and it was precise to the day. Uh, then the next one is the four Gentile kingdoms that Daniel talks about um, that would rule the known world, uh, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. That's in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. And then the last one is uh, the return of the Jewish people to their land in Israel after being dispersed among the nations. And that's obviously in Ezekiel 36, and then Jeremiah 16 mentions it as well. There are a lot of passages, but those are very prominent. So um, all of these can be verified. Um, the locations, uh, specific people mentioned, like rulers, the nationalities of the people involved, the scale, the numbers, um, even the dates, especially about when Christ would come the first time in Daniel 9. Um, they can be verified, all of these, by contemporary historians and accounts, um, by visiting the cities and even the countries that these prophecies reference, um, <clears throat> like Jerusalem, Israel, Babylon, Iran, Greece, Rome, <clears throat> they're all still there. Um, 
by visiting museums, even doing a quick like internet search uh, for historic maps and timelines and even travel blogs have <laughs> talked about these things, not as prophecies, but talked about prophecies that were fulfilled in history. Um, these all corroborate and often are literally testifying to the prophecies in the Bible that have been fulfilled. Um, when you start looking at the evidence, the prophecy has come to pass just as God's prophets wrote down. It's rather overwhelming um, when you just sit down and actually consider what's there to see. Uh, okay, so we'll go through those some of those prophecies that have been fulfilled, like Micah 5 um, mentions Bethlehem by name. It's where the Messiah would be born. And you can just put it in Google Maps, and there it is. It says Bethlehem of Galilee. It's actually there. It's still there. In Micah 5, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, and out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. Then we all know the Christmas story where Matthew talks about Christ being born in Bethlehem. Um, okay, Daniel 9.25 gives us the exact information for calculating when Israel's Messiah would appear as the Messiah to his people for the first time. Um, it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. Now the command to restore the city of Jerusalem, not the temple, came to pass and is recorded in Jeremiah, uh, Nehemiah. And of course, the Messiah coming to his people is recorded in Luke 19 and the other Gospels as well, the triumphal entry. And note the weeks in Daniel 9 are referring to seven-year periods, like seven years equals one week of years. And I found a precise calculation of the actual days in between the two, and it comes out to uh, 69 biblical Jewish years, uh, 173,880 days. And I put up a calculation so you can see um, if you want to check out the blog post. Um, also, if you want to study it for yourself, that same book I quoted at the beginning, um, The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson, can't recommend it highly enough because um, it's all about the 70 weeks of Daniel. It gives you all the components you need to calculate it. Very informative. Um, okay, the next one, the succession of world empires prophesied in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 is even easier to verify, no math needed. Just visit the British Museum in London, which I have, and you can see artifacts from every single one of these empires. Um, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. They have, have the Babylonian statues, the Persian um, tiles, and then the Roman busts. I mean, and there are tons of Greek artifacts from temples and things. Um, these are all mentioned, not by name, but by timeline, <laughs> in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream that he had about a statue with the gold head, the silver chest, the um, 
bronze belly and thighs, the iron legs, and then the feet made of mixed iron and clay. And if we study history, we see that Babylon, then Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome were all world empires that succeeded each other. Um, so here's uh, what Daniel wrote concerning those kingdoms back in 504 BC. He wrote this during the reign of that first kingdom of the prophecy, Babylon, and his king Nebuchadnezzar. Um, Daniel 2. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, Nebuchadnezzar, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. He's the gold head. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, the silver chest and arms. Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, belly and thighs, which was Greece, which shall rule over all the earth, Alexander the Great. Daniel actually talks about him. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. Rome came after Greece. Um, actually, some skeptics actually think Daniel was written after the fall of the Roman Empire because it describes history so exactly. Okay, the last one, the most glaring one, is... Israel becoming a nation again after the Jews had been scattered in over 100 nations all over the world for nearly 2,000 years. And this is pretty easy to verify. You just hop on a plane and go see it. Um, there's a video put out by ILTV about the 73rd anniversary. It's just an Israeli news station, and I'll put the link in the... Um, description. Uh, it's about their 73rd Independence Day celebration. Uh, I love this quote from the book, The Prophecy Prose Illustrated Guide to Tough Questions About the End Times. Very good book, by the way. It, concerning Israel becoming a nation. It says, Expert also, experts also call it the super sign because of the sheer magnitude and statistical impossibility of this sign coming to pass. Jeremiah's prophecy reminds us that Israel becoming a nation again was a greater miracle than Moses parting the Red Sea. Here's that Jeremiah prophecy. Um, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall be no more said, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. For I will bring them back into their land, which I gave to their fathers. That's Jeremiah 16, 15-16. Oh, it gives me chills just reading it. And I could go on. Um, but the point of the quote at the, the beginning of this, I quoted, is clear. That prophecy admits of no half faith. Either the Bible is wrong and can be proved wrong, or it's completely right. And if so many prophecies have come to pass, exactly as God says they would, against impossible statistical odds, now we're just waiting for the remaining prophecies to play out in real space, time, and history, because we know that they will. I mean, there are 333 prophecies about Christ alone, 
Now, 109 have been fulfilled, so that leaves 224 left to go, including his coming to gather the church in the clouds, the rapture, his coming to actually stand on the Mount of Olives, um, Zechariah 12, 14, I mean, is defeating the Antichrist and the armies gathered against him when he returns to earth. Um, so if you do have a half faith in the rest of what the Bible says, or maybe no faith, um, how do these verified prophecies impact you? And what are they saying about God and his ability to bring to pass whatever he says? Either the, there are prophecies that have come to pass or there aren't. And the precision and accuracy of the Bible's prophecies that have occurred so far are realities we can either accept or deny that they have happened and we can see that because God promised that they would. I mean, prophecy in the Bible, it's all about God. That's it. If they didn't come to pass as he said, then they would prove him a liar, weak, and incapable of keeping his promises and show him to not be God. And his word would mean nothing. And incorrectly fulfilled prophecies would invalidate everything else he's ever said. It's his name that's at stake for him. He even says in Isaiah 44, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, Besides me there is no God, and who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. But fulfilled prophecy shows him to be the all-powerful, all-knowing, self-existing, faithful, loving, one true God that he proclaims himself to be. And remember, there are hundreds of prophecies yet to happen, just about Christ alone. So, let's believe God and be looking for them, because they could be happening very soon. He promised they would happen. It looks like they're coming soon. So, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with the posts and everything, um, you can find me on the website gen2300.com or Generation2300 on Rumble, Anna Morton on YouTube, and then Generation2300 on MeWe, uh, Telegram, and Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Spotify, and a couple other podcast uh, platforms. So thanks so much again, and Keep your eye on the clock. I'll see you next time unless the rapture comes first.